Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Yes, indeed it is. And on tonight's show, lots of good stuff. Ken Attenson is going to join us a little bit later. He's a founder and an investigator with the Long Island Ghost Hunting and Tracking Society, otherwise known as Lights Paranormal Group. He's going to join us to talk about all sorts of ghostly encounters he's had, including his thoughts on an infamous haunting merely a mile away from his house, a little place known as Amityville. So we'll talk about that. Plus, could the visible mark of death be the tie that keeps a spirit bound to a home? A beloved kitchen staff member's untimely death came as a shock to her co-workers, but are there now one too many cooks in that kitchen? A sister wakes screaming at her brother, but turns around to find he's actually behind her. Who was she screaming at? Those stories and your calls and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you. Hello. Hello. 855-853-4802. That's her phone number. Do you have it? Do you wake up in the middle of the night repeating that number? No, but I finally have it memorized. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a locker combination. It's just kind of there forever. It is, yes. You'll be like 86 years old somewhere in a nursing home someday going, 855-853-4802. What is she talking about? I don't know. <laughs> ghost thing. She thinks she sees people around here. I, yeah, there you go. Can I have her jello? <laughs> or pudding is what I'm going to say. Uh, if you're not in the EPP yet, please become one. Help support the show. And uh, you get a free bonus episode every single week as we throw them out there to you. So uh, it's a way to uh, to help the show and get a little uh, extra something something for yourself. Uh, five bucks a month. Uh, is uh, all it, it takes to be an EPP. You do that at realghoststoriesonline.com and you'll also be getting access, our EPPs will be getting access to our short film that we're working on right now, Spirits in the Air, about a, a haunted airport. And you can see the trailer for that up on the website as well at realghoststoriesonline.com. I'm excited about that. Me too. So, lots of good stuff for our EPPs. Let's kick off the show. We'll get to uh, Ken's interview a little bit later on, so stick around for that. Let's kick off the show with a caller from 855-853-4802. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is uh, the crazy cat lady in Chicago sitting stuck in traffic on the Dan Ryan. So I thought I'd call and get my mind off something other than the traffic. Um, I'm calling with a couple of stories that happened to me when we lived in DeKalb, Illinois. I went up there to go to university. And um, there was a road, kind of a back road, that went from our house to the Walmart where I used to work. And sometimes I would drive my scooter, which was this small little, it didn't have any gears or anything like that. If you were going 28 miles an hour downhill with a tailwind, you were lucky. So uh, if I was driving that to work um, if, to the store, I would use the back road so that I wasn't a hazard on the main road. And I used to go up this one back road, and it was nice and scenic out there, and there were no trees, so to speak, of. It was just fields, cornfields, which is a lot of cow cornfields. Um, 
So anyway, I had two experiences happen to me on this road, which I will tell you about, and then uh, a third one that happened to me and my daughter together when we were on the road. Um, the first two took place early in the morning, so like about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I think I was supposed to be at work at 5. And um, so it was still kind of dark out, but the sun was just coming up. And um, the first one I saw like a farmer or someone standing out in the field, and I was thinking this this was later in the year, you know, crops were coming in. So, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe there was, you know, out there doing something, but it just seemed awful early. And when I looked again, they were gone. There was no one there. And they were dressed eh, kind of like a farmer. I remember jeans and maybe some kind of a plaid shirt, but nothing real distinct. I was kind of far away, but there was nowhere for them to go because it was just an open field. So I just kind of made a mental note of it, and then several weeks later, I was going home on the back road, and actually this wasn't in the morning, this was in the afternoon, it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so the sun was up and bright and everything, and I was riding the scooter, so I would wear my helmet, which had the sun shield on it, and I had turned, there was really no traffic on the road and no one out there, so to speak, it was just going through cornfields, and I had turned to look in the one direction, I don't know why, just gazing around while I was driving, and when I turned my head back, because I was approaching this curve, I had encountered what I now know as a shadow person. I didn't know there was such a thing until I started listening to the show. Um, it seemed to be right next to me, like two or three feet away from me at the most because I really didn't even see the whole body. It just seemed like, you know, the top half of someone's body. They were so close and it was all dark, no features or anything. And it just was like went to dart in front of me. And I didn't know if it was a person or an animal or what, you know, so it scared me. I stopped and you know, looked around and there was nothing there. It just went to dart in front of me and then it was gone. So again, I made a mental note of it and, um, just went about my business and went home. Then a few weeks later, my daughter and I were at the Walmart there. And at the time, she was about 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old. And um, we were leaving the store because we had been shopping, and it was already, this is nearing Halloween, so it was already dark out. And I thought, ooh, I'll take her down the haunted road and scare, you know, tell her what happened to me and scare her. Well, we start going down the road, and... I don't even remember if I started talking about what happened or not, but we're driving along, and both of us saw this man. Both of us thought it looked like an Indian, actually. Uh, couldn't really, not a lot of, um, I can't think of the word I want, um, detail. Not a lot of detail was visible, but uh, both of us thought he looked like he was wearing like a suede vest. and. No, no shirt or anything like that, and I think it had on suede pants, sort of. They kind of disappeared below the knees, but um, the crops were already in, so this was just a flat field, and it was dark, but this figure seemed to be kind of lighted up on its own, and it just was walking, started out walking across the field, and both of us saw that it was carrying something. My daughter said she thought it looked like he was carrying a child. I thought it looked like he was carrying a deer uh, because you couldn't see too much detail above the arms where it was cradling it in its arms, but where the legs would be hanging down, you could see legs of something hanging down. 
and um, I didn't say anything to my daughter. We're both just staring at this because I'm, you know, just entranced with this thing, watching it walk across the field, and it went so far, and then it just kind of sunk down into the ground. Now, there's nowhere for anything to go there. There's no buildings. There's no trees, nothing, just a flat cornfield where the corn had already been removed, so it couldn't be hiding in amongst the stalks either. And I turned to my daughter to ask her, because it was along my left side, to ask her if she saw that. And as I turned to her, she's leaning out past me so she can see beyond me, and she's looking into the same spot. And obviously she was watching it. I said, did you just see someone? And she said, yeah. But they just disappeared. Where'd they go? So anyway, that was our story. I don't know what it was or where it went. But it just kind of spooked us both. And then later on, I told her, you know, I said, well, I was going to take you down that road and tell you about my two experiences, but that was even better. So we just, we both had a good, a good creep out from it. Okay, well, I'll call back with some more stories. I have a couple more about DeKalb and then a few really good ones that may be better around Halloween. Okay, thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, it sounds like that's a good road that you can never fail on missing seeing a ghost <laughs> yeah i think it's hilarious that she was like oh i'm gonna go scare my daughter and then they ended up getting uh, an even bigger scare yeah just by doing that i guess you never know what you're gonna find out there so we'd love to hear some of your other stories and other good halloween stories as uh, we get further into the month um yeah creepy stuff it, it's just the idea of seeing not only something that you don't know what it is but then seeing it carrying something with legs yeah. It's like, what? You, you hope it's an animal. You think it's an animal. But is it really an animal? Let's just go with the animal. Just just to feel better. Was it an animal carrying an animal? Was it a entity carrying a person? Was it a person carrying an animal? Was it a... I don't what know. What type of combination? So many combinations. You can mix <laughs> and match this in so many different ways. It's like going to Red Lobster and uh, create a combination. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> create a horrific experience. Create a spooky experience. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in, uh, to us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Laura writes in, Hi, you guys. First, I really enjoy listening to your podcast and hearing everyone's stories. I do have a story of my own to tell, but I feel that I need to address something first about Wiccan practice. Some of your listeners seem to regard Wiccan practice with concern or fear, and I just want to reassure them that that is not an evil practice. I was raised as a Wiccan by my mother and aunts. I have spent my life learning how to use Wicca practice properly with respect to both nature and the spiritual world. God, Jesus, and even angels play a huge part of it, and Bible study was a large part of our learning. The main rule of Wiccan practice is if it harm... If it harm none, let it be. It does not attract entities any more or less than any other faith. Unless you play with it, uh, and that's where they get caught. They unwittingly open a gateway for entities. I hope this has made sense and helped people a bit. Yes, it does make sense and much more eloquently put than me just going, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's bad in everything, you know? Right. So just like that, you know, and, and so there, when somebody brings it up, it's not all bad. Uh, but do not, in fact, the majority of it's not bad. It's just 
if used improperly. Okay, continuing on. Please do not hesitate to ask if you have any questions. Well, please do not hesitate to call a write-in if you feel the need to correct anyone's uh, assumptions or opinions, too, because it would be good to have someone on uh, who has the experience and knowledge to answer those questions uh, eloquently and educatedly. Educatedly is not even a word. No. And I used it to describe education. That's great. Oh, more pudding for me. Uh, I am... I also am happy to help those who are dealing with evil entities. My family has even worked with our local church to help others. I just want to reassure any listeners who might be fearful or inform anyone who wants to learn more. I don't want for anyone to ever suffer as a result of experiencing it. I think movies don't help with uh, perpetrating a certain image of us as Wiccans because it tends to exaggerate only certain aspects of the practice. So less the craft and more practical magic without the special effects. So now that I've managed to send everyone to sleep, back to my story. My mother's house is rich with activity due to the previous resident, an elderly lady dying inside the house. Apparently, she fell down the stairs from the attic room and hit her head at the bottom. On the wall at the bottom of the stairs, there's always been a stain. And after about 20 years of attempts to cover it, we've given up and accepted that it's there. The lady that died there haunts the house even now, and she doesn't seem to want to leave it. My mother told me that when I was younger, I used to talk to the air and hold my hand, hold hands with someone that she couldn't see. My mother was convinced it was a guardian angel. I think now that this may have been the lady who died in the house. The attic room has been turned into a bedroom, which is where my sisters, uh, me and my sisters, uh, uh, stayed. I often woke up to things being moved around my bedroom or loud thumps. One incident, a ballroom that I had, uh, a balloon that I had uh, bought at the fair was moving in circles around the room and stopped at the foot of my bed. The balloon had been tied to my desk prior to this. I was only a child and it scared me so much. We had to ask our local priest to visit the house. He told us that she didn't mean to harm us, and we said the Lord's Prayer while he blessed the house. My mother put her rosary on the room, in the room, and it hasn't been moved since then. I moved away when I was 15 and have recently moved back in following a breakup. When I moved back in, my brother, who sleeps in the attic now, told me that he started suffering from sleep paralysis. He said that he woke up in paralysis to see an old bony face staring at him from the opposite wall and has even woken up to an old hag pressing her hands on his chest so much so that he couldn't breathe. He tried to call for me but couldn't. Apparently there's been no activity since and there was no activity the whole time I was away. Thanks for taking the time to read my letter again. You are welcome to ask any questions and I look forward to listening to the next show. Take care. Okay, so to me, the creepiest part of the whole story is the stain that they can't get rid of. Yeah. Where the dead lady was. It must have been quite an impact. Well. It's like you throw a watermelon at something, it kind of explodes, and then... uh, If she was elderly, you know, sometimes they... They bruise and and can bleed easier because their skin is yeah. thinner and everything. So, and it depends. How, I'm guessing she might have been there for a little while too, and let it kind of soak in and marinate. Oh, I hope not. Into the wall, and the floorboards. <laughs> I would have done all kinds of remodeling to get rid of that. That's just me. Yeah, though. I think it's where you just rip the boards out and have them replaced. Yeah. At that point, uh, Lindsay writes in. It was the fall of 2006 when I started working in a local nursing home job here in mid-Missouri for my first full-time job. 
My position was in the kitchen as a cook, and I completely loved it. We were a relatively small home with a maximum capacity of about 100 residents, so our kitchen wasn't too big, and there were only two of us running things in the afternoon and evenings. To give you a layout, employees would enter the building through a back door. Immediately to the left, as soon as you walked in, was the door to the kitchen. We had a bell on it, so we could always hear when people came in and out that way. Once you stepped into that door, there was a short hallway. The first door on the right was a cleaning closet. The door after that was the bathroom. Past that, you had a small office in the right, and to the left were two cooler doors that opened to the shelves in the walk-in. Next to those was the big, heavy walk-in door. We kept a big metal rack for the bread against the wall right in front of the walk-in door. It was far enough away that you could open the walk-in door all the way to the right of the bread rack was the entrance to the dry stock room. It was a corner doorway, and if you stood in it and looked out, you could see up another long hall of, uh, of sort to the other end of the kitchen, where the door to the dining room was. The rest of the kitchen was sort of a loop. In the middle were the ovens, stovetops, fryers, flat top. The steam table was against the far wall, and the sinks were on the outside of the dry stockroom wall. If you walked up that long stretch from the stockroom to the dining room, you'd have this little offshoot to the right where we mixed and poured the drinks for the residents. And up towards the front, there was another entryway to the dish room, which had its own door to the dining room. Okay, do you... Have that down? Lots of detail. I'm sorry, but visuals help. In the evenings, we would serve dinner, take a short break, and then start cleaning up the kitchen. As soon as the residents clear the dining room, we would collect and wash those dishes and get the food carts from the locked unit where the Alzheimer's-afflicted uh, residents lived. At the end of our shift, we would have to take the clean, up, uh, the clean cups from the locked unit back to them so they would have them for breakfast serve-out. Around that time, we were having issues with other staff coming into the kitchen and helping themselves to whatever they might want if we weren't around. Our boss asked us to start locking the doors, and we left, and that included the back door with the bell, the dishroom door, and the main door from the dining room into the kitchen. This particular night, we came back from delivering the clean, up, the clean cups to the locked unit, and my aide was putting some clean mugs away under the coffee and hot chocolate machines while I unlocked the kitchen door. I got it open and held it with my foot so I could push the cart into the kitchen ahead of me. But as I looked up, I saw a woman standing in front of that big metal bread rack. She was dressed in scrubs and had shoulder-length brown hair, light brown hair. She was facing the dry stock room and not moving. I didn't recognize this woman, and at first I didn't even think about the kitchen having been locked up. I looked to my aide, who was sitting, putting away mugs, and back into the kitchen, but the woman was gone. When the aide saw the confused look on my face, she said, What? I went, There's someone in the kitchen. As I went in and headed right back for the storage room to see if she'd gone in there, it was empty. The dish room, the office, the bathroom, cleaning closet, the walk-in were all empty, too. That damn bell had never rung. All the doors were locked as well. I described what I saw to my aide, and she went a little pale and said, Come here. As she led me into the office, she sat at the desk and pulled out this photo album our boss kept there, and then started flipping until she stopped about midway through. Recognize anyone? she asked. Sure enough, the woman I saw was right there in a photograph that had been taken of her and one of the other kitchen staff from a couple years prior. I confirmed that who I saw, and the aide said, That's Sue. 
I had goosebumps then because I'd heard all about Sue. She had worked in the kitchen for many, many years before she suffered a fatal stroke there not long before I started. In fact, I filled her position. The other woman on the kitchen staff spoke of her fondly and would tell me stories about how she would turn burners on for them and how they would sometimes they didn't feel alone in the dish room. No one had ever seen her manifest before, though. I'm pretty sure I got her approval, though, because after seeing her, I started experiencing the burners turning on their own, too. And sometimes you really didn't feel alone in that kitchen. I'd bet anything she's still there, happy as a clam to be in the place she loved working for so long. Have you ever had a sudden loss of a coworker? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Then I took his office. Did you ever feel like he was there? Um, no, I didn't. But I he he uh, collected or, or didn't collect. He uh, had a flower garden. Roses is what he always had, and he'd always bring them into work and set them out and everything. And uh, when I took over his office after he left, um, there was still a vase of roses in there, and I just never got rid of them. I put them up on top of a shelf, and they are still there to this day. Even the new person who took over that office after I left that radio station has left the flowers. And I told him whose flowers they were and why are they why they were there. I wonder if he kept them. They're there. Oh, really? Yeah, they're there. I was in the station a couple uh, last week or the week prior, and I was just visiting and saying hi to folks, and they are still in the office up there. I said, you kept the flowers? He's like, yep, don't want to mess with that. He believes in paranormal stuff, too. Actually, he wants to be on our show sometime. He's collected some EVPs and uh, really would love to share them. So I think we could have him in some night. That'd be a lot of fun. And uh, talk ghosts and all sorts of stuff. Sure. Um, But yeah, he's he's like me on that, where he's just kind of respectful of it. And I I didn't think if I got rid of them, he was going to haunt the office or anything like that. But um, just out of just kind of respect for him, I'm like, no. I'll just leave them because roses kind of look, you know, once they're dry, they kind of look cool. You know, they don't sit there and rot as long as, you know, they dry nicely. Yeah. And they did. They dry nice and crisp and they're just crisp roses in a vase. Oh, that's kind of neat. There you go. And then the bizarre part, this is only, this would only happen at a radio station. Um, They, uh, uh, as a tribute, also made like a little memorial bench and put some roses, a little rose garden around it. Mm-hmm. out by the, the radio station after he passed. And uh, it's a memorial-type bench thing. It's, you know, you, you kind of treat it with respect. At least that's what most of us do. However, one of the stations, uh, which likes to exploit women and uh, their format, they do these calendars of essentially real skanky women every single year. Uh-huh. Well, they had their ladies go out there and do all these like provocative poses on the bench and take all these pictures and stuff. And I'm just wondering if they didn't understand what the bench was or who, what it was for or whatnot. But I'm just like, ah, it's nice. It's kind of like going to a cemetery and doing it. It is. Because this guy didn't have a gravestone. He didn't have really the money to do it. He didn't really have a, a lot of family around or anything like that. So this was really his memorial. Um, his, his ashes are not there, but it was just, it's like a memorial, essentially. It's as close to a gravesite as he's ever going to have. Well, and there they are. Maybe he likes the skanky women. I was going to say, I don't know. I think you and I would find it offensive, but maybe he likes that. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, but uh, I just found it amusing as 
inappropriate things that could only happen at a radio station do they did indeed (laughs) so there you go uh 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in anna writes in a few years ago i went on a family holiday to italy there's just myself my brother my parents we stayed in this big hotel close to town beautiful big decadent building and rooms it was that typical embellished italian style hotel with gold uh, cherubs and the uh, plaster on the walls, uh, tiled floors, bedrooms, reception area, huge long windows uh, in each room. I was sharing a twin room with my brother. My uh, parents' bedroom was down the hall. As I said before, the room had lovely large windows with uh, light linen curtains. The sky was so clear in the clouds uh, at that nighttime. The room would have this eerie light from the moon streaming in through the light curtains. Because of this light, even though it was dark and in the middle of the night, you could make out the furniture shapes in the room. One night, I opened my eyes to see a man sitting beside my bed. It was like he was sitting on a chair just beside my bed, and I couldn't tell if he was looking at me or looking into the space like he was uh, in deep thought or like he didn't realize I was looking at him. I know that sounds strange. I thought he was my brother. He looked like my brother, uh, Iman, Except he had a beard. Iman didn't have a beard at that time, but I still was thinking it was my brother. So at first, I didn't freak out. I just stared at him and said out loud, Iman, what are you doing? He got no answer, so I said it again louder. Iman, what are you doing? Then I heard Iman's voice from his side of the room. Still staring at this man, I knew if I looked away, he'd disappear. So I just stared at this man and screamed. Turn the light on, Iman. Turn on the light. Turn on the light. Iman shouted at me. Uh, Anna, you're just dreaming. It's okay. Go back to sleep. Still staring at this man beside my bed, I finally just screamed. I'm not dreaming. Turn on the light. Iman jumped out of bed. Turn on the light. The second the light came on, the man disappeared. I wasn't dreaming. I was wide awake. I told Iman that he didn't see any, uh, and he didn't see anything. We've talked about a few times since he had some interesting theories. He looked like my brother, but older. I wonder if it was Iman from another dimension or life or something. I don't know, but I will never forget that. The two of us uh, have had odd things happen or appear to us growing up. I think my brother has some sort of gift. He's sensitive in the sixth sense way, and sometimes he can pick up on things that happened in a place years before, even if he never was at that place before. I think it's in my dad's side of the family. I'm very interested in the paranormal. I believe it exists. I've experienced it like many others. Love the show. Listening to it and other people's experiences and theories. You're great. Thank you. Are twins more susceptible to paranormal? I don't know that they're more susceptible to paranormal, but there's a lot of stories of twins who are able to, you know, susceptible to, I guess, feeling each other's emotions or a bond or something like that. You hear a lot of stories of that nature. Okay. So that in itself is fairly paranormal if it, you know, goes into the realm of other paranormal as well, like ghosts. Um, I don't really know the answer to that question. Okay. So I don't know if there really is any true answer to that question. (laughs) We're talking about the paranormal. That's right. We are. um, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. We're going to go over to Ken's interview in just a few minutes. He'll be joining us. Let's do one more call before we uh, do that from 855-853-4802. Hey, Tony and Jenny. It's Ruben again from California. Um, You know, just when I thought I was out of stories to tell, uh, 
I was talking to my mom recently, and she told me a story uh, some time ago that I remembered, um, which I think is very interesting as far as it combines a lot of elements of a lot of things that have been talked about on on the show. Um, she's also a psychiatric nurse like myself, and she we used to work in uh, a setting where she would go see patients who were in the emergency rooms waiting to be evaluated to be determined if they would be sent to an, a hospital, a psych hospital, or, or not, or, or be sent home. Most of the time, it was just a matter of, yes, okay, after talking to this person, they do have a mental illness crisis and they need to be hospitalized, or they're okay and they can go home. Uh, now, a little backstory: When my mom was young, just right after she was born, her mother passed away. Um, and so she was raised by her aunt in rural India. And there were times that my mom had said that her aunt would, when, when talking to her, she would at, at some point take over a different type of persona. It was as if her personality immediately sort of switched over. Um, and she believed that the words and the way in which they were coming out and even her cousins who she was living among verified that, yeah, that that's kind of how your, your mom used to talk or those are the things that she would say. So she grew up believing, of course, that her aunt, who she treated as her mother, who had taken her, uh, basically adopted her, would be possessed in a, in a nice way, I suppose, but taken over, her body would be taken over by the spirit of her mom, and she knew the look um, that she had in, in her eyes. Like, she would know how that type of event would look when, when somebody was taken over it in such a way. So anyhow, uh, that would happen from time to time when she was younger. Fast forward now back to the story. One time she was called to see a young girl who was behaving erratically, for lack of a better word. Um, she was told, my mom was told, that by this girl's mother that there were times when she would act out. She would, the girl would not be her normal self. She would be violent or verbally abusive or would say things that she just normally wouldn't say. So this kind of touches on, you know, how do mental health clinicians deal with cases of um, people that actually have something more than just the mental illness going on. So this is, I think, a clear-cut uh, textbook case of that situation. So anyhow, in talking to this family and this mother, my mom <clears throat> determined that something else was going on, that, that something was amiss here in terms of this just wasn't, it wasn't just something mental health related. So 
what the backstory was was the girl's parents were separated. The mother was single and didn't you know she was living by herself, and they had joint uh, or shared custody of the young girl. I'm not sure how old she was, um, but she was a young girl. I, I would imagine you know elementary school, junior highish around that age. So, and the father had a girlfriend at the time or, or wife, I'm not sure which, but he was involved with, with somebody else. And the young girl had a dream one time that she was in, facing a house and she had apprehensions about the house. She, she felt something bad about the house, something evil, something just, she didn't want to enter the house. But in her dream, she did. She goes inside, she looks around, and just has this negative energy that she's absorbing from, from this house and from this dream. And so she wakes up and thinks nothing of it, I suppose, until later when her dad and his partner are looking for a house. So when the girl goes along with her dad to look at the house that he's going to get. She realizes that that's the same exact house in the dream that she just recently had where she was terrified and she did not want to go in that house. And, and she kicked and screamed and, you know, her dad said, what's wrong? Just come inside, come take a look. This is, you know, I don't think she explained it to him, but she just really didn't want to go inside because of what had just happened uh, based on her dream. She ends up going inside, uh, and it was after that time when these things started happening to her. So the main thing that I remember from what my mom had told me that happened to this girl was that <clears throat> she would... Like I said before, she would change her personality. She had this look in her eyes. She would say things differently and in a different voice almost. Um, she would be very rude to her mother when she was normally a very loving child and very much adored her mom. She had a very negative attitude towards her and would say hurtful things. And uh, one thing that really is kind of interesting too is that she would eat and eat and eat. She would eat so much that her poor mom could barely afford to, to keep her fed. And when she would get out of these episodes, she would feel stomach pains and, and not remember having eaten so much. And she would ask, you know, why is my stomach hurting? And her mom would say, well, because you, you ate so much food. I, I just kept feeding you and feeding you. You kept demanding more food. Um, so that happened and I, I just found that to be very interesting that this girl was, was taken over and behaving in such a way her mom ran out of ideas as to what to do. So of course they, you know, uh, uh, the first, uh, thing that anyone suspected was maybe she has mental health issues. And so that's when she was taken to be, uh, assessed. And that's, you know, my mom was one of the first clinicians that she had come across. And 
you know, my mom told me the story, and she said that's the first time. She's been doing this for close to 30 years, uh, and she said that is the first time that she had ever experienced something like that to where it was hard to, you know, you, it was hard to say that, okay, this is a classic case of mental illness. She needs to be hospitalized because she really had no criteria. My mom had no criteria to put this young girl on a hold to be admitted. So I'm not sure what became of the case, but, you know, my mom, using her best judgment, decided against putting her in the hospital. Um, and I just, uh, I don't know what happened after that. There was only so much she could say, of course, because those matters are confidential and backed by federal law and so forth. But I just thought that you guys would be interested in that story because it really kind of shows the power of dreams and also, you know, how how all that sort of stuff relates to the field of, of uh, mental health. Uh, Anyhow, I'm uh, still listening every day as I walk my dog, which is what I'm doing right now. So I just wanted to share that because it came to mind. But uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. That is crazy that somebody that has that much experience, that they are at a loss. They're like, haven't experienced that oh. before. I mean, that, 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 I don't know. That's where you really... I think the thought of maybe something else other than just a mental illness really starts to come to light when it's it's that baffling. Oh, yeah, because you know somebody that's got 30 years experience, they've seen it all. Sure. So for them to be like, I don't even know. And just some of the, the occurrences just seemed really weird, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where really what would be causing this, you know, or that. Just some of the methodical, you know, it just bizarre. I just want to know what happened to the girl. I know we yeah. probably won't find out, but. Is she okay? Is there, do you know the answer to that? It'd be interesting to um, to hear, at least get that, you know, that answer. Is she, is she still institutionalized? Did she move on to a healthier life? You know, just an answer like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Well, Ken Attenson is joining us. He's a founder of Lights Paranormal Group, the Long Island Ghost Hunting and Tracking Society. Uh, Lights believes that through our unique lifelong paranormal experiences, it has shaped our lives in one way or another and has led us to an ongoing search for answers. With our constantly expanding knowledge and experience as our shield, we are compelled to help those who are being affected by the paranormal. Because of this, their investigators are always free of charge and done with the utmost honesty, courtesy, and commitment. Ken, thank you for joining us this evening and welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We appreciate uh, you joining us. Now, uh, (laughs) this is kind of a silly question, but what is it with your area and ghosts? Um, Just we we take calls from all over the country and get letters from all over the country, over the world for that matter. And honestly, I I feel, am I right or wrong about this? I, I feel like there are so many calls and letters that we get from your part of the United States. Is it statistically more haunted than other parts? Or I would say, if anything, it's most likely Indian-based. That's the feeling that I get. Okay. Um, 
back when Long Island was first started, um, you know, settlers came in and they were actually pushing the Indians out of location. Now, where I'm uh, physically based at is right by the water. Mm -hmm. uh, this is also where you have towns like um, like uh, Amityville, mm -hmm. you know, where the Amityville Horror House happens. Right between there, and um, also, I don't know if you're familiar with the Seaford Poltergeist. Okay. They called them the, the clicker. There was one of the poltergeist um, uh, things that, that actually made the Poltergeist movie that was based off, off of uh, th that one, the I think it's the Indenburg uh, Poltergeist, and another one mm -hmm. that the uh, they based the book off of and then went to a movie about. Between Amityville and Seaford, mm -hmm. there was one of the bloodiest Indian settler battles at Takapusha. So some say that possibly that could be the inspiration for all the activity, there was also a lot of um, uh, Revolutionary War um, uh, people being buried out here mm -hmm. uh, in, in places like Huntington and all that. Just tons of stuff. So it is it is jam-packed full of uh, activity out here. I mean, pretty much anywhere you go, you could find a little bit of something, whether it be historical or... It's just a very odd place. Plus, you're surrounded by water. I was just going to so, say that. I wonder if that acts more so. You have all the historical, horrible events that have happened there, and then the conduit being the water, how much that plays a role in, in these things going on. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it's a possibility. Anything, uh, I mean, anything and everything could, could be contributing to whatever. I mean, it's, I mean, you figure this much. Uh, you know, if you look at historical kind of things, um, you know, most civilizations started out by the water. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, they had places to bury their dead. Mm -hmm. When you start, you know, when you start, uh, you know, building towns and doing all these things, where do they go? Yeah, Were they, they ever taken care of? You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, different possibilities that could be happening with that. I'm sure they didn't really respect, you know, I mean, Indian burial grounds are very, very sacred. I've, I've talked to many people just, you know, in passing about, you know, their experiences mm -hmm. with, um, you know, Indian burial grounds. And they've actually, you know, they've seen stuff that, you know, they've never really come out about. You know, it's pretty amazing, too, because, you know, most people have been, you know, kind of scared or apprehensive about, you know, saying anything. You know, you know every single time I, I happen to wear my light shirt out, People are like, oh my goodness, I have a story to tell you. You know, it, it's amazing. You know, it's like, and the, always the first line is, "You're gonna think I'm crazy," and I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like the opener for every every paranormal question out there. You're gonna think I'm crazy, yep. but I'm like, I'm like, don't worry about it. If you're if you're crazy, then I must be a raving lunatic. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I want to ask you because um, because you do live in the area of Amityville, and this is certainly not the focus of our, our call tonight. But I just want to get your take on it from someone who you know has been in the general vicinity. I'm assuming for most of your life. Um, what you know? What is your take on the Amityville horror and what that case? was, uh, is, and has become, especially the new chapters that have since opened up in the last year or two with uh, Danny and, and the other brother coming out and, and talking about it. My take on it is, what is for sure, the murders took place. Sure. That's, unque that's unquestionable. 
Now, the spin-offs, you know, like Amityville Horror Movie and all that stuff, of course you're going to have Hollywood, you know, Hollywood drama and everything, you know, that goes along with it, you know, amping it up more than it is. Um, the sales, you know, I'm not too sure. I mean, they went to the grave saying that this really happened, you know, that their experiences were true, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You know, to be honest with you, I, I passed by the house. It's a very peaceful house. I only live a mile away from it. So, I mean, I, I mean, I could literally go there while we're on the phone and take me five <laughs> minutes, you know, and, and describe it like, well, you know, the, the trees are kind of swaying this way. Yeah. You know, the whole thing is, is that, you know, they say, some say there's an Indian burial ground that was there. Very possible. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was saying before, you know, most, most civilizations live near water. Sure. That's how they started. So is it possible there was a, a burial ground there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have they found anything? I don't believe they have. Mm-hmm. Or at least anything concrete. We, we can always dig stuff up. I mean, I, I, I still find, you know, broken uh, glass back from like, like the, the 40s and 50s, I mean, and, and yeah. there was nothing here before the 40s and 50s in my neighborhood. Sure, sure. So, and what's, what's interesting is is I thought the case was fairly dead after, um, you know, George Lutz had passed away, and I thought, okay, well, the chapter's done, and then the last two years, Christopher Quarantino has come out, and Danny has come out, and they've both said things about their father, Daniel, or, or about to George, uh, alleging that he was involved in the occult, and that that was what brought a lot of that into the house. Are you familiar with those stories at all? Do you have any thoughts to share on that? Um, I'm, I'm not too familiar with those stories, mm-hmm. but I mean, just, you know, taking from what you said, of course, if you're going to bring something into the house, yeah. I mean, we, we have attachments regardless. We're always being influenced by, you know, by the, the atmosphere around us. You know, you ever walk into a room and get a bad feeling that's, you know, there's, there's things that, that we don't realize every day that, that our bodies pick up subliminally, mm-hmm. but we do get, we do get, you know, feelings and, and, you know, just all sorts of crazy stuff. Now, if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to bring something in the house, especially if you're inducing something negative to, to happen there, like being into a, being in an occult or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're, you're asking for it, you know, yeah. I mean, I, for and me personally, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and a lot of times when those sort of things happen and someone's involved in those sort of things, it, it tends to follow the individual, not necessarily the home, which from what I understand, and you would probably know this better than I have, that home hasn't had any issues of hauntings or reported hauntings since they've, they've left, no. essentially, correct? Yeah, it, it, you know, everything's been quiet. The, the stigma of the, uh, you know, of that house, I mean, you know, whenever I go there, you know, they, they, you know, the, the, the neighbors kind of know what you're doing there, you know, and, sure. and they kind of give you, you know, they wanted to die already. They're like, we're, you know, we're done with this. You know, I mean, they've tried remodeling the house. They've, you know, they've actually uh, changed the address. You know, mm-hmm. they want to be kind of done with it. So, you know, I try to be respectful and, you know, uh, you know, when I do go there, you know, just, just, you know, it's, it's a great place to go once in a while, you know, not on a daily basis, but I absolutely love to investigate there. Heck yeah. I would I would never like be like no I don't want to investigate that that's ridiculous I'd be all over that like white on rice how long you know? <laughs> how long do you think until the 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 is a chain of ownership changes every ten to fifteen years until one of the owners goes I'm going to make this into one hell of a bed and breakfast and lives it up and <laughs> turns it into a cash cow I mean I wonder if the zoning laws even permit such a thing but I'm honestly surprised it hasn't happened yet. Well, in the area itself, you know, 
you're talking about maybe 20 feet, uh, you know, between, between houses, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, between properties. I mean, we're, we're not, you know, it's not, you know, isolated or anything. So, I mean, if they were to start something like that, it would probably be a big disturbance to the sure. neighborhood. I would not be and allowed if you buy up all the properties. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they, Amityville has its own incorporated, uh, you know, court and everything. So sure. it's not like anything would, uh, you know, I mean, they make the rules, so yeah. I don't think they'd allow anything. You're not even allowed to park your car past three o'clock in the, in the morning on the road or okay. else you get a ticket. So. And they're probably, the last thing they probably want is more attention brought to their city around that topic. Yeah, exactly. So, Well, let's talk about ghosts here and some of the, uh, the, the ghost hunting that you do and some of the experiences that you've had. On our show, we, we get so many calls and so many stories on different topics, and we've almost kind of created uh, several base categories and you kind of stem off from there and all the variations of it of essentially human hauntings where where the entity uh is a conscious entity that was likely human at one point then we have our category of essentially demonic hauntings where the entity was never human and is something very dark that's causing trouble um and then there's, of course, the opposite side of that, too, where we get kind of the angelic stories where it's probably not ever been human, but uh, also doing something with folks. And then the kind of the residual hauntings where it's just the over and over and over repetitive things that are, are going on. So I was wondering if, if we could uh, kind of touch on some of those topics. And if you would be like to, to share with us here as we air this in the month of October, we've got a lot of new listeners tuning in looking for some good ghost stories. Um, if you'd like to share, let's start with some of the human hauntings, maybe one or, or two of the, the most prolific experiences you've had with lights that involve uh, what you would classify as what would have been a human ghost that you were interacting with? Well, sure. There's, um, we did an investigation at an old uh, abandoned hospital by us, um, uh, Brunswick Hospital. They tore down the main building, but some of the older uh, parts of it that were actually used as student housing Back when it was, uh, you know, a uh, how can I how can I put like a a, a school for um, <laughs> how can I because the way they actually the way they actually had it was charter school, school? for delinquents and idiots. Oh. You know that that was that, that's how much they pretty pretty much had it. Okay, uh, back then, so that was actually the housing. So we were still able to uh, to go in there. We we got a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, very intelligent. They knew we they, we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, n- nothing really calling for help or anything, but, you know, nonetheless, they, they knew we were there. They were like, you know, we had an EVP that said, you know, there's two guys here. Um, just an, an amazing array of stuff. We, we usually capture more EVPs than, than, uh, any visual evidence, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, maybe that's just what we're operating at the, the vibrations that we're operating at that, that we capture that more easily than visual stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, we got a ton of good stuff there. Um, you know, we, we've done a, uh, a, uh, a residential investigation and, uh, you know, wound up realizing, uh, that the, that the, uh, the husband is still there and he's just, he's watching over, and doing and doing what uh you know doing what any father would do in a family situation, just making sure you know everybody's protected and all that. So you know, very good experiences um, human-wise so far. 
Um, personally, I've come in contact with a lot of animal spirits around. Really? Uh, you know, just generally around around the area. Um, you know, those could be, you know, like I said, going back to the Indian stuff. Um, you know, some of them are, you know, pretty interesting looking, you know. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's kind of amazing in the sense where it's like, you know, to anybody else, you'd get frightened with it. But when you when you see it for what it is, that's where the true understanding comes in. So, I mean, you're seeing this, I mean, one time I see, you know, and it's going to sound really eerie, but one time I saw a seven-foot uh, humanoid creature with, with a ram's head. But it was, the difference is, is that you, you know, just like they could feel us and feel our intention, you could feel their intention as well. There was absolutely no fear. There was nothing like, you know, it wasn't giving off the vibe of, hey, I'm trying to, like, frighten you and, mm-hmm. you know, do that. It was just saying, I'm protecting. And that was really interesting. You know, that that was very interesting stuff. So, yeah, you know, that, that, that's very compelling because when you hear something like that in the ram's head, I mean, the first thing that would go to my mind, and I tend to go there a lot more than anything, is is demonic. Um, but that, but the thing is, the energy tells half the story is, is what are you feeling there when when you're having the experience? Exactly. See, I, you know, with me and, and seeing the stuff that I've seen in my uh, locale. You know, I, I really try not to use the word demonic because I always associate demonic with scratches. I mean, you know, when mm-hmm. there is something going on that that is of demonic nature, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the severity of the situation there, it, you know, it's just a nonstop uh, mission for oppression and and lowering you know your resistance levels so they could you know finally uh, have their way with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I try to. You know, I try to stay away from the word demonic. And plus, you know, seeing things like this, you know, I mean, I mean, we, we have, I have at least two cats in my house and we've never owned a cat. So, you know, and my daughter has seen it. She's like, oh, look, daddy, it's a black cat going on. I'm like, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> and when I say, you know, and when I tell her, I'm like, I'm like, you know, because, you know, I, I try to make it fun for her, you know, because I don't want her to, sure. you know, I've seen stuff since a very early age, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't want it to be a, you know, a, a crazy experience for her where she's afraid of everything. You know, I, I've grown up with this. So, I, you know, I try to make it at least fun with them. I'm like, did you see its eyes? She's like, no. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you know, I'm like, you know why that is? She's like, why? I'm like, well, some say there's a, there's, you know, a, uh, you know, the eyes are the windows of the soul, but if it's just the soul, so that, why does it need eyes then when it could see all? And she's like, hmm, you know, so I try to make it like a little bit of a game for her, you know, and get her to think about it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. know that, you know, ghosts and, you know, you know, because when you're a little kid, you know, you hear about Halloween ghosts and goblins and then, you know, yeah. magically see seeing stuff in the house. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to think that, oh, my goodness, you know, I mean, I've in my house, I've had to tell, you know, a few guests here, you know, to leave my door alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because she's trying to sleep, you know? Sure. So, uh, and then that, that actually wound up happening over the baby monitor. Um, you know, we were just hearing, you know, shuffling and, and then, you know, uh, I heard hello and, you know, I hear my daughter being agitated and I'm like, all right, all right, you know what? Stop being curious. The, the girl needs to sleep, you know? Yeah. So, and, and does that work when you just simply ask it, you know, politely, essentially like, like almost like a human to human interaction, just, Hey, look, my daughter needs to sleep. Will you go away? Have you had success with that? Well, Oh yeah, I mean, you know, most of the times that will work. You know, you know, ghosts are are just, you know, it depends on on what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not it's not it's not a generalized thing. I mean, for him, 
you know, he was just curious, you know, what's, what's in my space. You know, you get tons of passerbys, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that seems to be most of the case, you know, you know, uh, some people are, you know, will experience stuff because they're more receptive to, uh, you know, experiencing things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that any place is haunted, you know, specifically by a person, the whole world is haunted. I mean, how, you know, sure. how many years, you know, how many uh, centuries of, you know, just material and, and, and different events occurring, you know, you have an overlapping of, of, uh, of history, you know? So, I mean, pretty much nothing, nothing is not haunted, yeah. you know, you know, even if your house is clean, you try to clean it as much as possible, you know, spiritually, you're still going to have an occasional passion through just because they're doing, you know, that's what they're doing. Sure. As, as long as your so. daughter doesn't come up to go, daddy, I have this pet pig. Her name's Jody. She just moved in from the house <laughs> down the road. <laughs> well, she, she, <laughs> she has she has claimed to see something that that has a lot of eyes. Oh God! And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, is it, you know? And the first thing I say is, you know, is it? Th- did it scare you? Is it threatening? She's like, no. I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, because you don't know if, you know, especially with the child, you don't know if it is something that is just their imagination, sure. or it is something. I don't want to swing either way with it. Be like, oh, it's definitely a ghost, yeah. or oh, it's definitely your imagination. Because you don't want to discount the child's, you know, you know, you kind of break them a little bit, you know, when you mm-hmm. say, oh, don't do that. That's ridiculous. You know, sure. especially when it's like, you know, they're seeing something. So. You just try to do, you know, uh, positive reinforcement with them. You know, be like, oh, you know, if it's not scary, there's nothing to be worried about. Sure. No, it, it know, makes so. total sense. Let's talk about um, some of those demonic cases, because you said earlier, you know, when it is that, it's very clear that it is that. Have you ever run into that uh, in, in your investigations? Um, not in my investigations. Um, growing up, yes, I have. Um, you know, just being... You know, the person that I am, uh, you know, I found out eventually along the line that I am empathic. I pick up everything. So, you know, when you don't know what the cause is to the symptom, um, you know, it kind of gives them room to play a bit. So, you know, I, I have had attacks back in my day of, of you know, negative forces, um, you know, just because you don't know unless, unless you find out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with those things... You know, it's it's very it's a very odd feeling when when you're being psychically attacked because it goes into what you call it like at least what I call like a movie mode, where um you know you're seeing with your eyes, but it's like you're you're viewing a movie of what you're doing and not actually you know participating fully in what's going on, and it's 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 pretty scary stuff. Um, you know, but would I say it's necessarily demonic? I'm not too sure about that, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I, I mean, I really try to leave the D word like to like really extreme cases. Was it severely negative, though? Yes. Do you think there's a but, lot of demonic or, or cases out there that are deemed demonic when they're really just essentially a really bad former human as a ghost who is a, a bad, evil, just, you know, dark person in life and is also a dark person on the other side? Definitely. Exactly. You know, you know, they say, oh, when you're a good person, you go to heaven. When you're a bad person, you go to other places. You know, the whole thing is, is that you have 
both hierarchies. You have mm-hmm. a whole the whole chain, you know, of good and and bad. You know, if you're a bad person in the life, of course you're going to be a bad person in the afterlife. You know, and and a lot of them, um, you know, being the way that they are, find tricks of the trade in the spiritual realm that makes them able to mock certain things to appear look, look you know, to look like other things. Sure. When it's when it actually comes down to it, they're just a real sob. You know, yeah. <laughs> they want to. You know, and, you know, there's plenty of, of cases that I've heard and seen that, you know, it, it sounded like demonic, you know, it was a shadow person, you know, it was scratching people and doing stuff, but it wound up being human in the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh... This is an interesting topic because we get so many letters and calls about shadow people. Um is there here's my my question and this is completely open-ended obviously because we're talking about ghosts um (laughs) what you know what would why do some human ghosts uh, appear to choose to make themselves known as shadow people or what's described as a shadow person and some uh seem to make themselves known uh through actually uh, at bottom you know full body apparitions and things of that nature it's because one seems a little darker than the other just from the the human perspective if you're looking at at either or all true you know there's some like like i think it's based on an individual basis Mm -hmm. um not every shadow person is bad um you know like you hear of um you know sometimes shadow children um you know you know it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad mm-hmm. it could also be a loss of identity from crossing over if somebody was heavily medicated if they were sick mm-hmm. you know if if there was some sort of trauma before you know you know before right before they died that could definitely be an influ- you know an influence into them kind of like i guess you could say not having a true identity of themselves mm-hmm you know, they also say, some, you know, uh, that, you know, when you pass on and you go to heaven, you know, supposedly, you know, you're a younger image of yourself and not the old image that, you, you know, that you passed away with. Mm-hmm. So, which brings a good question saying, do spirit, you know, are spirits that you see, you know, like, you know, uh, apparitions or whatever, is that how they actually look or is that how they're actually perceiving themselves and projecting it in an image mm-hmm. of who they think they are, you know. So I mean, because you could, it, there's really so many possibilities. There I mean, really it is. It's it's a never-ending question. The more we talk about <laughs> exactly. it, the more we get into it. The more it's like, oh well, this opens up four more paths for this one. I was something yeah. that, that's kind of came to mind when we're talking about shadow people. Is I, I wonder half the time if. With with shadow people, sometimes their movements and whatever their intent appears to be, sometimes it has nothing to do with the person who's catching it. I'm wondering if sometimes these entities, they're, they have, they're completely oblivious to the fact that they are projecting themselves to us in one form or another. They're just going about doing their thing, and we're happening to, to catch their shadow or whatever it is that, that's making them appear as a shadow person. It's always the assumption that they're trying to make themselves known to us. I think sometimes they could care less. Oh, definitely. I mean, it really it really depends on the kind of haunting that you're dealing with, too. I yeah. mean, if it's a residual, you're definitely going to experience that. You know, they, they don't know, you know, they don't know you. They're just doing and following the path that they, you know, that they're recorded at. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you know, when you catch a glimpse of that, you know, it, it's, it's going to be there and, and that's that. But with intelligent hauntings, 
you know, that's where it gets a little on the fun side because, you know, if you do see a shadow person, they could possibly be protecting themselves as that, depending on what their nature is. Mm-hmm. Do you so, th- do you think there's any consciousness to a residual haunting? I I don't. There is some sort of consciousness, but not to the point where it could actually, I guess, project itself into our realm again. Okay. You know where where it's like they they're conscious because they're conscious of what they're doing, but they're only they have like horse blinders on, mm-hmm. but they can't see anything else but what they're doing. And I I don't think it's I think it's a piece of them, but not a full consciousness where it's like okay, well I'm aware of this and that. It's just a little piece of them that was left behind. Okay. That you know that made so, that made such an impact in that area where they just. You know, their image is just carried out in a repetitive nature. Yeah, they're not plagued. They're doing the same operation over and over and over for all of eternity. Exactly. You know, and, and you know, that could be, you know, well, people, you know, you might say, well, why is that? You know, if, if a soul is a soul, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, think about it in terms of this. When you do something, when you're working, let's say you're working on your house, what's, you know, well, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into it. Well, you know, you could also say I put a little bit of my soul into what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the soul is the soul is an energy and a renewable source. That's why it never dies. It's it's, an, it's pure energy. It never, you know, energy doesn't it doesn't fade. It just changes states. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, and and you know, that's where, uh, you know, I, I guess you know, if you want to put it into terms of like voodoo dolls and stuff, where you know you're putting that person's energy into into that item or, you know, a person could project their energy into that item to make it, you know, a, a haunted, you know, whatever it is, you know, then it's very viable that, yeah, you know, you know, uh, somebody could leave a piece of themselves, but still have another bank of energy somewhere else. Sure. They could have been fully, you know, fully passed on, but just that part of the energy that they dispersed in doing that motion you know, could just still be lingering there. Still lives on. Have you ever come across a, a very prolific residual haunting in your investigations? Um, not that not that I can really think of. I mean, we've we've mostly come across intelligent. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and that's 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 what I usually you know. Uh, sure. That's what I usually come across, and you know, and, and it's good. But you know what? Sometimes you know you want to experience other things too. But not not that I could recall. Okay, off, let, off the top of my head. Let me ask you this: with 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 you being out there in the field and, and doing your investigations, um, with there being so many pieces of equipment that have come about in the last you know ten fifteen years to use uh, in uh, investigating ghosts. Um, does it make it easier? Are you are you coming across more and more uh, ways of capturing these things, or is it still just as difficult and just as sparse as it was 15, 20 years ago? Well, I definitely think the technology that they have now, mm-hmm. um, you know, makes it a lot easier when documenting and, and you know recording data. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is it is along the same lines of the equipment, you know, that we had years ago, it pretty much just comes down to, you know, the investigator and the tool that they decide to use. Sure. You know, you know, the choice that you make of what, um, you know, device you wish to, you know, use on an investigation, that's, 
you know, that in itself, I believe, is some sort of intuition as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, the device is just a device. You know, you could have, a, you know, a, a ghost box. It's not going to do anything. But when, you know, the investigator is holding it, I believe, you know, it, it activates, you know, that with, with who we are and, and our frequency, and then it offsets the, the device to, you know, be able to actually capture what we're looking to capture. Mm-hmm. That, so, that's so, so it may know, perform more, it may perform better for one investigator if they possess certain things like being an empath or something versus someone who is not. Well, you know, everybody has, I, I think everybody to do, you know, to do what we do. It just comes down to, you know, whether you're open-minded enough, whether, you know, you want to pursue something like that. To me, I've, you know, I've always been a believer and I've actually had, you know, to kind of wait, you know, it's, it's, it's a great time to be, you know, you know, somebody like me that has had experiences as, you know, since a a very early age Mm -hmm. and now is able to come out about it because you, you know, and I mean, it's good and bad because you, you do have a lot of paranormal shows on TV, but at the same time they do exaggerate a lot. Sure. You know, but just the idea of, you know, having it out there where it's not like, you know, macabre, you saw a ghost, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, while they're putting up the quotation marks, you know. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you sure, know sure. So, you know, have I always had experiences? Yes, but, you know, n- now, you know, I'd say within the last maybe 10 years, you know, and, and you know, you could really thank, you know, you know uh, the show Ghost Hunters for that because they've kind of, you know, brought it out in the open. Yes, this is, you know, this is going on. So it, it's become like a kind of an everyday conversation piece, not something to keep hush-hush about. Sure, sure, that's very true. Well, Ken, thank you so much for talking with us tonight. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'd love to have you back on the show again here uh, once uh, even the month of October is done, because we talk about ghosts year-round, as I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> and oh, <it's> uh, never-ending. <laughs> share some more stories with us. It was a pleasure talking with you tonight, Ken. Definitely same here. It was great having being on here, and um, I definitely look forward to talking to you guys some more. All right, you take care. You too. Have a great night. And that does it. That wraps up Real Ghost Stories Online for this evening. Thanks again to our guest, Ken Attenson, for joining us. You can find out more about him on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and a link to uh, their website as well if you want to find out more about uh, the uh, long... Island paranormal and lights. There's uh, it's just a hotbed of things. I I think if you were a mile away from the Amityville house, oh god, you would be going by there every day. I would. I probably would. They'd hate yeah. me. They would. They would definitely hate me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not an EPP yet, please become one. Help support the show. You get a free episode every single week, uh, and you have the knowledge of you are keeping our show going without our EPPs. Without that support, the show would not continue on. So if you enjoy the show, you'd like us to continue, please become an EPP. Uh, five bucks a month, and you get the extra episode and some uh, exclusive video content that's coming out very soon. A, a short film we're working on called uh, Spirits in the Air about a haunted airport really cool stuff so check it out real ghost stories online for jenny brewski i'm tony brewski thank you for listening to real ghost stories online